have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. This is a People of More podcast. Enjoy. Amen. On this day, we continue with our sermon series that we began last week, uh, which is titled Before You Give Up. Before You Give Up. Um, as, we, as we examine this, I, I found something that I thought was relevant uh, to the uh, text that we're going to be reading today. Uh, the lesson title for today is When Your Grief Meets the Resurrection. When Your Grief Meets the Resurrection. I was worried about that. I used to misspell resurrection all the time. Um, I think I spelled it right this time. When Your Grief meets the resurrection before you give up. John Jones was a man, uh, he was an experienced cave explorer, and he went into the great state of Utah, right, where the mailman and, and Stockton used to roam, and he went to go explore some caves. And he went to one that was called Nutty Putty Cave. The only thing was is that this professional, this experienced cave dweller, this cave traveler and cave explorer, he went into a passageway that he believed to be one thing and it turned out to be another. Um, John Jones squeezed his way into this dark cave and all of a sudden he found himself in a tight, dark and scary place. He was stuck in a hole that was 18 inches. Right? He couldn't move up, he couldn't move down, and he was upside down in this cave for hours upon hours. And I just thought about this, and it gives me chills. I don't know if anybody else, I'm not claustrophobic, but seeing, seeing and thinking about these holes underground, 150 feet below, he's stuck upside down. They sent out rescue workers, to retrieve him, and they couldn't make it on time. And he passed away in that cave upside down from cardiac arrest, from being stuck in that tight space. And I can just imagine as he's there in the darkness, unable to move, in this dark and scary place, him crying out for help, thinking about his family, his wife, Wondering if anybody cares. Perhaps he died with that thought, thinking that no one cared. And surely his family did, but who else? I can just imagine the grief that this man is experiencing while he's there, in this tight space, in the dark, unable to move, upside down, but what happens when we experience unhealthy grief? And whenever I talk about unhealthy grief, 
I'm talking about a grief that is experienced by us where there is no hope. A grief where we stop expecting a change to come. Some of us this morning have been in our situation so long, stuck upside down, unable to move, unable to, to shimmy our way out of these tight spaces, these scary places, these places where it seems like there is not going to be any hope of being saved. We truly believe that being upside down is normal. We believe that being stuck is just a part of life. And I want you to know that God does not desire that for you. And sometimes when we're in these places, we begin to distort the image of God. And we say that God is not a good God and God does not care. And God could care less about what's going on with each and every individual in this world. And I want you to know this morning that God does care. Some of us this morning, we're wondering what happens whenever our children have gone so far away from the Lord. That there remains no hope and we're grief stricken and we stay up all night worrying and concerned about whether or not we will see them again in the eternal place. Some of us are stuck in an upside down position to where our world is just all chaos because the wrong political party is in control. We find ourselves gasping for air and crying out with no, no, no answer. What happens when there's one semester left and you're trying to graduate, but your grades don't reflect that of a graduate? Does God even care about your grief? Does God care that you're struggling? Does God care that you have sorrow in your life? What happens when we cry out and we cry out and we we start with faith and we cry out so much, but the only thing that we hear is the echo of our own cries? What happens then? Do we possess an unhealthy grief or do we possess a healthy grief? Y'all know that I like movies. I believe, if, well, if you've seen it, I, I'm going to spoil this for you anyhow. But Black Panther, right? of course, if you don't know, Black Panther doesn't survive. But they have a funeral for him at the beginning. And this this joyous occasion and they carry his body uh, People are celebrating, right? And they, they have him floating up to this spaceship thing that they don't explain at all. They just expect you to just be okay with it. Um, I believe that's a healthy grief. The unhealthy grief is one in which there is no hope. One in which his sister experienced in that story. And we're going to see in our text today, we're going to see a healthy grief. We're going to see an unhealthy grief. And we're going to see what happens when grief, no matter the type, meets the resurrection. Amen. Amen. Turn your Bibles with me to John chapter 11. That's in that New Testament. All right. John is one of the most complicated uh, gospels that we have. Um, his content is layered like an onion. And uh, sometimes he doesn't say, just come out and say what he means. But he does mean well. Uh, but there's a lot to chew on when you read the Gospel of John, and I appreciate the details that John gave us and, and uh, the layers that are present for us to uh, meditate on and chew on throughout our life. Say amen if you're there, John 11. 
So where we where we find ourselves in this text, Brother Rowe did an excellent job of reading there. He even made it through Melchizedek, right? Uh, that one I was worried about. I, I was standing back there. I was like, I don't know. He, he made it. He got it. Melchizedek, he made it through. Um, I had him read the beginning portion of this passage where we see Mary and Martha's brother, Jesus' friend, Lazarus. He dies. He dies. And at the beginning of this text, if you examine it, what you see is, is that Jesus willingly stayed an extra two days where he was, and Lazarus died, right? I had him read that because we're not going to, we, we know what happens with Lazarus, right? Spoiler alert, if you don't know Lazarus, um, he, he comes back to life with the help of Jesus and his voice. But I want to examine this grief that exists here. And what happens when our grief meets the resurrection? Uh, we're there at John 11. Let's look at 17. The Bible says, in John chapter 11, verse 17, the Bible says, Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha. And Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained what? Seated in the house. Y'all remember these two, right? One was cleaning and, went, 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 and getting things ready when Jesus was present, right? Uh, what we see here, we see two sisters. And we see two type of people in, in situations like these. Uh, both of them are handling their grief differently. Um, both of them are experiencing loss. They're experiencing bereavement. Both of them have just lost a sibling. One hears about Jesus. It says that uh, Martha, she hears about Jesus and that he's coming, and she went to meet him. But Mary, she remains seated in the house. Martha, she goes to meet Jesus when she hears that he's near, but Mary remains in the house. Mary remains in her grief. Mary remains where she is. I want you to see this as we're reading through this text, that Martha is the type of person when things go wrong, she's not so much focused on the situation that she can't see Jesus. And that's where we sit sometimes, as we are stuck, as it would be, in a cave upside down, unable to move in a tight, dark place, screaming our lungs out. Wondering, where is God? What is God going to do about our present situation? When is God going to answer? When is God going to respond? God, do you not know that right now in this moment, enough is enough? And some of us, when we're there in that place, some of us, when we're there in that place, we don't seek Jesus. We remain where we are. And I want you to know, if we remain where we are, there's going to be some heart problems. Just like that man being in that cave upside down, experienced cardiac arrest, I want you to know that when you are in your grief and you are in an unhealthy type of grief where you lose hope and you stop hanging on to the hope that God will come, that God will save, there's going to be some heart problems present. And you won't be able to clearly see what God is doing in this world. It's going to be unclear. But there are those of us who when we're experiencing grief and we have a healthy grief and we remember the fact that there is a Jesus, well, 
we will seek Jesus out. Even though our situation has not changed, we will seek Jesus out. Even though our circumstances haven't improved, we will seek Jesus out. Even though we don't know how it's going to happen, we will seek Jesus out. And that's just what Martha does right here. Martha has faith, y'all. She doesn't understand everything, but she knows where to go. And some of us would do well to understand that when we don't know where to go and how to go, or even how to get out of the situation so we have the ability to go, Jesus is the way. Amen? Martha states here in verse number 21. Are we clicked on that slide back there? Because I'm unable to change. I'll read it, though. Uh, verse number 21. The Bible says, Martha, when she comes to Jesus, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. I want to pause there for a moment because I need you to see this. Um, uh, some of us may read this and we may, we may read disrespect into it, but I want you to know that there is confidence that she has in Jesus present here. She says, if you were there, I know for a fact that my brother would not have died. God, if you were present in my marriage, I know that my marriage wouldn't have died. God, if you were there when my child made the decision to walk away from you, I know that they would not have walked away. God, if you were just present there on the day that I left my job and changed the heart of the supervisor, God, I know that I would not have lost my job. You see, we talked about doubt on last Sunday, and we talked about how when doubt is present, right, there remains an opportunity for faith to exist because faith is available. Faith is present when we can't see the solution, when we can't feel the solution, when we can't touch the solution, when we can't smell, see, touch, whatever. It's not tangible, but our faith, when it meets up with the doubt, is powerful. Martha, she says to Jesus, Lord, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. In verse 22, but even now I know. Do you see this church? She says, but even now I know that wherever you ask or whatever you ask from God, God will what? God will give you. She says, I know that if you were present, my brother would, wouldn't, wouldn't have died. But I know that if you ask, God will give you what you ask for. The confidence that Martha has here is a healthy grief. This is a healthy grief. You see, we have these, these grief-stricken people. And Lord, man, I, 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 don't, I don't enjoy funerals at all. I don't. Because sometimes we go into funerals and we, we have people that are present who don't have a hope after death. And when they lose a loved one, they believe that that loved one body that is present in that casket is also hopeless. And you see things, man, at funerals. You see people falling into caskets and, and, and passing out and all these different type of things. I don't know if y'all been to funerals like that. But it's painful to see. It's painful to see people without hope. Because I know that my God, my God is going to do something. Even when it looks like there's nothing to be done. Martha has a hope here. She says, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And Jesus responds to her. Jesus, look at what Jesus says to her. He says, your brother will rise again. 
Your brother will rise again, Martha. He tells her this. And then she, she being a faithful follower and believer, she says, well, Jesus, I know that he's going to rise again. In the resurrection on the last day, you see, historically at this point in time uh, with the Jewish people, they believed that there was going to be a resurrection of the dead. They believed that there was a Messiah, an anointed one coming. But everybody didn't believe, right? But it was a widely held belief that, hey, there's going to be some type of resurrection. It went against what the Greeks believed in that day because the Greeks said, well, the body is just evil. It doesn't make sense for us to have a body that is evil be brought back to life. But she says, I understand, Jesus, that he's going to be uh, back again one day, that he will rise again. But he's not here with me right now. He's not here with me right now. And some of us are right there. God, I, I still love you. God, I'm still faithful to you. God, I still understand how you operate, but I really miss what I used to have. I really, I really, really miss what I used to have, and I know that you gave it to me. I'm faithful to the fact that you gave it to me. I'm thankful for the fact that you gave it to me, but I really miss what I used to have. And I know, I know God, that, that you, could, you could give it back to me. But she's expressing to Jesus, I understand what scriptures say, right? But Jesus, he says to her, look at what Jesus says. Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Jesus, he says here, he says, no, 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 no. You're not understanding what I'm saying. He said to you, and he said earlier in verses 1 through 16, he's going to rise again. So Jesus is saying right here, no, I'm not talking about this eschatological situation, this, this end times thing. Jesus is saying, Martha, your brother is going to rise today. Because the, with Jesus, the resurrection is not just an event. Jesus is the resurrection. Jesus is the resurrection. Jesus is the one who causes that which is dead to come back to life. He is the prototype. You see, the resurrection has gone from being a thing that happens to being the person of the Christ. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever, what? Believes in me. Belief is important. Faith is important. It's powerful. It's that magic thing that makes all of this work together. Right? Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. Verse 26 says, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. This would be confusing to someone who has no hope because they say, Jesus, everybody's heart stopped beating at some point. Everybody's heart stopped beating. I was watching the, the XFL the other day. And I, I love this league because it's just it's, it's, it's stories of redemption throughout it. You watch it. It's a whole bunch of players who tried to be in the NFL. They didn't make it for some reason or the other. But then they have an opportunity for redemption, right? An opportunity to display to the world that what they've worked for their whole lives wasn't for no reason. And I'm looking at a game, and I see Josh Gordon, 
right? The guy who used to be at Baylor and he got himself in trouble with failing drug tests and got kicked out the league multiple times. And he's in the game and the game is over. It's, it's what, a minute or maybe less than a minute left. They're 60 yards away. There's no way that they're going to win this game. I believe it was fourth down, and that backup to the backup, Danucci. You remember Danucci from the Cowboys. He's back in the pocket, and they're coming at him. He's moving, he's shifting, and he just throws a prayer up, and he gets hit. And Josh Gordon goes up, two people in front of him, catches the ball. Those two guys run into each other, fall down. He scores. And I'm just looking at this, I'm just like, this is what God does every single day. Makes the impossible possible. Makes the impossible possible. And we as his people who are beneficiaries of this possible out of the impossible, we see it so often that we think, oh, well, that's just how the world works. They saw what Jesus was doing. Martha came to meet him, but yet there's a house full of mourners still there. They knew that Jesus was powerful. They knew that Jesus was from God. Martha came. Mary in the house stayed in the house. Everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die, Jesus says. Do you believe this? And 27 says, she said to him, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, if we would only see Jesus as Lord and not as the giver of my blessings, we might have some things happen in our lives. You see, some of us, we, see, we just see Jesus as a paycheck or a payday. God, give me blessings. God, give me something that I don't have to work for. And we don't want to see Jesus as Lord. You see, Martha, she understands that Jesus is the Christ, is the anointed one. But she also understands that he's more than just the one who is going to save me. He's also my Lord. And so that means that I need to be obedient to whatever it is that he says. And I truly believe that in this situation, with Martha acknowledging Jesus as Lord, if Jesus would have said, you need to let it go, he's going to stay dead. She would have believed and she'd have been okay. I truly believe it. Are you okay if God does not bring back what has died in your life, are you okay with that? Are you willing to trust the one who is supposed to be Lord in your life? Because sometimes the answer is no. Sometimes the answer is no. And sometimes it's wait. She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God who is coming into the world. When the resurrection meets a healthy grief, there's hope. She expects for Jesus to do exactly what he says. When there is a healthy grief, there is hope. Let me show you, though, what unhealthy grief looks like. You see. Verse 28 here, when she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, she goes to Mary and she says to him, the teacher is here and is calling for you. Do you see how they continue? And I, I love that John does this. John has called Jesus all types of things in this text so far. Jesus has been the Christ. Jesus has been the Lord. Jesus has been Jesus. But when Martha comes back to talk to Mary, she says, the teacher is here. Because she knows that her 
pastor needs to learn what she has just learned. Y'all see this? Sometimes we close our heart to what God has for us when God is trying to teach us something. She says here in private to Mary, the teacher is here and is calling for you. He's, he's, he's calling for you. And 29, when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. She still believes. Even though she's been wallowing in her grief, she still believes. Even though she has what looks like an unhealthy grief, she still believes. And I need you to understand today, church, that even when you are in the depth, the last hour, upside down, can't move, in this tight and snug place, I need you to know, God still cares. God still cares. When you're just about to let go, I want you to know that God still cares. Yeah, God still cares. Uh, now, now, now uh, uh, she rose quickly, John says. She rose quickly. I like that he includes the detail that she quickly went to him. Now, Jesus had not yet come into the village, and so she had to travel a distance to get to where he was, right? Uh, but, uh, but was still in the place where Martha had met him, where Martha was talking to Jesus and found out that the resurrection she was about to experience was not the end time resurrection, but one that was going to happen in the presence because God can take what is going to happen in the future and bring it into today. Right. He's still in the place where he met Martha. Verse 31 says, when the Jews who were with her, uh, when the Jews who were with her in the house consoling her, they saw Mary rise quickly and go out. They followed her. Supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Y'all don't miss this. When we go to meet the teacher and we follow the teacher to distant places, please understand that when you are learning, you are also teaching. You see, they're following Mary because they believe Mary's about to continue with her grief, continue with her crying. We want to go with her to continue in what she's doing, but they're about to find out that there's no reason to cry anymore. And sometimes we take people along with us in our grief when we should be showing them the one that we should reside in who brings hope. And let me tell you, too, there are people here who are addicted to grief and sorrow. There are some people in this world who just want to be sad. Yeah. They do it because they love the attention of it. I'm so sad today. Do you want to be sad with me? <laughs> they don't say it like that, but they want you to be sad with them. They don't want you to have hope because if you have hope, they're by themselves sad. They need a team of sad people. The Central Texas saddies. All right. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, they saw Mary rise quickly, go out. They followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now, just picture this. Uh, they have these tombs, and it's really cool what they do. Uh, they, they would wrap the bodies up. Um, they would, uh, herbs and, and, and I was about to say herbs and spices. Lord, I'm hungry. Um, <laughs> they would use these different things to... Uh, to wrap up the body and make sure that the, uh, the body decomposes in a pretty decent way, right? Um, once the body decomposes, they have these jars that they put the, remainings, the remains of the body into, and they set it up on the shelf inside of the tomb. And then the tomb is ready for the next person to come in, right? Isn't that pretty cool? That's a money saver, too. Maybe, maybe we need to tell uh, Bradford and Dawson about this. <laughs> Get a family tomb. Just put me in a jar. Um, 
So when the Jews who were with her in the house consoled her, they saw Mary rise quickly and go out. They followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Verse 32 says, now when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. Word for word, what Martha had just said to Jesus. But she doesn't have the part afterwards where if I know that if you ask God, he will give you what you ask for. Y'all see the difference there? She still had faith, but because she was staying where her grief was in an unhealthy place, in an unhealthy grief, she couldn't see the big picture. You see, some of us suppose and some of us believe that this world, this existence is about us. Some of us are in our own Truman Show. <laughs> we believe that we are the stars of this show. There's a bigger picture, though. There's a bigger picture. And sometimes our holes where we are upside down and stuck in this tight, dark place is for someone else. Mm -hmm. That's it. It's for someone else. Now, it could be that it is for us as well, but it's also for someone else. Mary came, 32 again. Mary came to where Jesus was. She saw him. She fell at his feet, right? She knows that he's Lord. She says to him, Lord, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping, I want you to pay attention to this part here. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. Jesus, we look back at the beginning of this chapter. Jesus had already said what he was going to do with Lazarus. So why does this matter? This isn't just about showing, well, Jesus, well, we can prove that Jesus was human because he felt emotions. No, it's more than that. It's more than just about Jesus feeling emotions. It's more than just about Jesus showing, it's not Jesus showing favoritism to this family because they're his friends. He knows what he's going to do with Lazarus, but he cares. And he feels. He was overcome with emotion himself. Think about this. He sees his creation that he created according to John 1. He sees this. And he's looking at his creation. And he knows that he created this in his own image. And he's looking at them saying, I did not create you to be in grief and sorrow. I did not create you to feel pain. I did not create you to have to feel what you're feeling. But he knows the fallen state of the world because that's the whole reason why he's on the earth in the first place. And he knows that when we sin, more than just us was affected. We weren't the only ones who fell, but this earth fell as well. He's looking at his creation crying. And Jesus is overcome with emotion. The Bible says he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? Where have you laid him? Now, Brother Arnold, he'll debate about, uh, he'll debate with you after service about whether or not he was, uh, he knew it all, and he already knew where he, <laughs> if he knew everything while he was on this earth. Um, 
and Brother Ballard can tell you an answer to. But he asked the question anyhow, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, Lord, another name for Jesus, come and see. Verse 35, the Bible says, simply, Jesus wept. He's crying. God cries when we experience sorrow, when we experience grief. He sees where you are. He knows what you're going through. If we would just hold on. If we would just hold on. If God's people would hold on, it wouldn't matter. And I thought about this as I'm thinking about John in that cave. He died. They couldn't get to him. They decided to close that cave off. They, they exploded it and closed it off, and that is his place where he is buried. But even John in that cave where it looks on the outside that all hope was lost and that he was failed, there's something else coming. Even if we are met with death, there is something else after this life. And that's because of God. Even when it's all, all hope is lost, it's not really. Not with God. He asked them, where did you lay him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus is weeping in this moment. Jesus is weeping in this moment. And we know how the story ends. Jesus calls him by name. After four days, when the body has started to decompose. Right? Rigor mortis is standing in. God calls him out by, Jesus calls him out by name. Says, get up. Right? He, did, he said his name because everybody on this earth might have got up, right? <laughs> Lazarus, get up. When you are stuck and upside down seems normal, and you're grief-stricken, and your sorrow is heavy, and your pain is mounting up, and you have nowhere to turn, and you hear nothing but the echoes of your own cries for God. I need you to understand, he cares. And when your grief meets the resurrection, something happens. Something happens. But sometimes that which you love has to die in order for you to see the big picture of what God is doing. You see, if we were on this earth and every time we cried out to God, God fixed it immediately. We wouldn't learn perseverance. We wouldn't do as Jesus did when he came down to this earth and he felt pain and he felt sorrow and he had those tear ducts working. We wouldn't, we wouldn't know how to feel for other people if we hadn't experienced pain and lost ourselves. Yeah. We wouldn't know how to be a community of believers that helps to hold one up when we are down. Mm -hmm. When grief meets the resurrection, things happen. God does care. God cares deeply. So much so that he sheds tears. I don't know if anybody has a practice of doing this, but sometimes whenever I read the Bible, I place myself in these situations, either as the person receiving from Jesus. In this instance, I would place myself as Mary or Martha. 
Or as I pl or I'll place myself as someone looking at this scene as if I'm just there in the crowd. And as I'm reading this, and as I'm looking at this, I just imagine seeing Jesus, the Son of God, knowing what he can do, knowing what he's about, believing truly that he's the Christ, believing truly that he is the resurrection, yet seeing him cry. I imagine myself in the moment reading the scripture with so much confusion. Why is the resurrection crying when I know what he can do? Why is the resurrection weeping? Like, like feeling great emotional distress. It's saying he's greatly troubled. He's weeping. This is an audible cry, y'all. This is an audible cry. I know that as men sometimes we like to hold it in, right? Audible cry from Jesus. And I'm seeing this in my, my heart, the resurrection crying and realizing and understanding that this just, just, this just isn't something for Jesus to do. Jesus is deeply, deeply concerned with what's happening in each and every one of our lives. And because Jesus is deeply concerned, we know that the Father is deeply concerned because Jesus does nothing that the Father would not do. And if Jesus is deeply concerned, and Jesus said that it is better for the Holy Spirit to come and for him to leave, I know that the Holy Spirit, too, agrees and is deeply concerned with your sorrow, with your grief. Church, before you give up, consider the fact that God does care. And if God does care, Right? And his child comes repeatedly and earnestly, cries out to him. Know that what he gives you, whether it be a yes, a no, or a wait, is exactly what you need and is exactly what the world needs for his big picture mission to happen. Amen? That's my sermon for this morning. When grief meets the resurrection, if you're not a Christian this morning, I want you to understand that you live beneath your privilege. Yes, God causes it to rain on the just and the unjust. But I want you to know that those who belong to God, we have it really, really good. Amen. And see, before you existed, God knew that you would need him. And God knew that you couldn't do it by yourself. You can't, you can't change what you want to change about yourself by yourself. But God can you got to ask yourself the question, though. Do you believe that he came? Do you believe that God came in the form of Jesus and put on flesh, became a man, felt emotions, lived the life that we lived, hung on the cross, died, was put into a tomb that belonged to a family that was not his? Do you believe that? Are you ready and willing to repent of your sins? Repent. Turn away from God, or turn away from your sin and turn towards God. Re reorient your life towards God and live in a manner that is in submission to him. Will you confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? The same confession that he made caused him to lose his life. Will you lose yours and die a spiritual death and become a new creature in Christ through the watery grave of baptism? Are you standing in need of prayer this morning? Are you stuck right now? Are you upside down? inside of a cave? Are the walls closing in? Is your heart rate starting to increase? 
Are you starting to doubt whether or not God hears you at all? And you just need prayer. And you just need the assurance of knowing that God is there, that God does hear you. We want to pray with you today. We want you to know without a shadow of a doubt that God hears you and he cares. He's there. He is deeply concerned with what you're going through. And he can't wait to spend an eternity with you where there's no trouble, no pain. Amen. So we invite you. That's perfectly timed, isn't it? Victory in Jesus. We have that. We invite you to have victory in Jesus as we sing the song of invitation. I heard an old story. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God 